Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, Andrew Shutsky, and with me today is Derek Clifford. Derek is a successful single and multifamily real estate investor, adding 13 out-of-state units recently to his portfolio in his first year of his acquisitions while working a full-time job, so I can relate to that. Today, he's a multifamily investor controlling 52-plus and growing apartment units. He's also an author and podcast host of the Elevate Your Equity Show. In addition to working the W-2, like myself, he's a founder and CEO of Elevate Equity, which is a firm that partners with individuals and companies to purchase, improve, and operate cash-flowing multifamily apartment real estate. It's all about the cash flow. And he loves to give back, which I, I find really admirable. So welcome to the show, Derek. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Likewise, likewise. So tell us, uh, you know, we covered your background a bit. We talk, talked about uh, your, your, your company and your initiative and what you're looking at doing. You know, one of the things I think you bring to the table is you bring a perspective of a working professional like myself, someone that's interested in investing in real estate. What should they do? Step one, how do they get in touch with people? What should they be doing? What are the, what motions should they be putting forth? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. I think that it always starts with expanding your network somehow by taking action, taking initiative to find people who are doing the things that you want to do and talking with them. Everyone's situation is different. So whenever you start in, in, up in a new type of realm, right, especially something that you have limited time or resources in, it's always best to talk first with the people who are having the most success. Uh, and usually you can find people at meetups. You can go on meetups.com. Uh, that's one way to start. But I think that really before that, Andrew, what's really important is for full-time employees or people that have limited time or resources to really spend some time understanding why we're doing this in the first place and blocking that out, making sure that's crystal clear. And in addition to that, taking that vision and translating it into having it show up on your calendar. So time blocking it so that you're doing regular repeated effort every single day uh, while you're working the full-time job. So real quick, for instance, for me, it was working from from 7 to 8 a.m. in the morning. That was my time for real estate. I'd go into the office early and just take calls, do underwriting, do everything I could from 7 to 8 a.m. And then 8 a.m. when the day started, then I have my lunch hour from 12 to 1. And that's when I was able to you know, quickly shove something in my mouth, right? <laughs> and then also do a bunch of real estate work on the side. And so those are kind of the basic building blocks that gives you the space to pursue all these things that we're talking about right now. No, I completely agree and can relate to many of those. Just that the times might be a little different for me. For me, it's a little earlier. Mine has to be like the five to six thirty window. I mean, I work a lot with Europe, so I have <laughs> to adjust go. the time zones. But same concept, and I completely agree. Consistency is king, and I can't say that enough. I, I've said it a million times. I'll say it another million, two billion times, whatever it takes. But that's, I feel like that's what separates those that accomplish versus those that dream is, you know, they're, they're smart. everybody's smart, right? There's a lot of intelligent people we work with, but what separates those that, that really crush it out there is just taking the baby steps every day, every week, every month, every year consistently. I, I think that's got to be, that's key to success. Absolutely. And you got to have a vision that pins that too, because you got to think about, all right, well, you have well-intentioned 
to continue that consistency. But are you really going to continue it over the course of a year? Because that's where you're going to see results is where people are not willing to go, which is you being consistent. And in order to be consistent successfully, you have to have a vision that kind of pulls you through all those times where you feel like, oh, I don't want to do it. And, you know, I'm going to skip it this morning or, you know, I'm too busy today. Mm-hmm. And those are the times that you really need to dig deep and keep the, the effort and the consistency moving because otherwise you're not going to get closer to your goal. No, great point. And it's funny, one of the things I hear most frequently, and I know that we had in our, our show notes for today is, you know, getting your spouse, your significant other on board. I, I know that's something I hear a lot. And people ask me, like, how did you get your wife on board? You know, how did you talk her into it? How did you get the time commitment? Because let's be honest, if you've got kids, you've got family, it eats into that time. So, you know, what's worked for you? I'll share some of my, some of my perspective there. I'd say, what's worked for you? How did you get your, your wife on board? Yeah, so I think that um, having the, the talk with your spouse about where you want to go in the five to 10 year plan is, is absolutely paramount. Um, by having that, it kind of gives you a context in order to have some of these conversations. Because if you just approach your wife or your significant other and you say, hey, you know, I've been, I've been looking into this real estate stuff and it looks fantastic. So I'm going to start spending tens of thousands of dollars and <laughs> spending lots of time in my, uh, in my man cave or, you know, or wherever, wherever, you know, if it's for a wife, like it's where yeah, yeah. to work, right? And isolate myself. And uh, how's that sound? Is that good? So in a vacuum, that doesn't sound so great for the other person, right? So, but yeah. if you have the conversation at a high level of like, this is what we want to achieve, this is what we want to do, that kind of conversation helps frame it. And then having ongoing check-ins and like being keeping your wife involved, keeping your husband involved in what you're doing. And then letting them make some decisions too, like bringing them into it and saying, boy, you know, we could do this, but it's high risk, high return, or should we stick with low risk, low return? Um, you know, and so getting that perspective in, and then one last thing I was going to add, Andrew, too, that was really helpful uh, for us on the financial side, which kind of ties us all together, is having monthly meetings with your spouse, sitting down and saying, all right, how much money do we have coming in every month and how much is going out? And how much room do we have to invest? And what is our risk tolerance to invest? And what can we do? And that just brings up the general awareness to that in, of course, in the frame and in the context of that five to 10 year vision of where you want to go. So that's always important is having that vision first to say why you're doing it and then doing the little things every month and every day to keep your wife involved, including budget reviews and then decisions with what assets you're going to purchase or looking to purchase. I think that's a great point. This is something, I, you know, I haven't discussed enough with other people. It's like getting over that hurdle. And I think it's important to note, you know, back to the consistency piece that this isn't a fad, right? This is a lifestyle that requires adjustments from time to time, right? Like you said, check in, whether it's weekly, monthly, daily, whatever, you're going to have to make adjustments and there's sacrifices, but there's a reason for that sacrifice going to your point to the why. And that's important to, to connecting back to the vision. But you know, quite honestly, you know, week to week, I'm, I make adjustments. Things get really crazy with, with the W2 or work or the kids have more activities going on. Guess what? Your time block may have to change. <laughs> so you get used to get used to flexibility. So I'll add flexibility on top of consistency. And I think that that goes a long way. 100%. I love that answer. So how are you finding balance? I mean, I, I know, you know, I, I just kind of admitted we struggle with that at time. How are you finding balance with, you know, family time, the W2, you know, keeping your, your personal goals and hobbies moving and, and keeping things interesting with real estate? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I actually get, at, I get asked that quite a bit. Um, and, you know, have you read the book called The One Thing by Gary Keller? You know, I haven't read it, but it's popped up many, many times in my Amazon feed. So maybe I should. 
I think that's that's one of the books that's really, really great. Uh, and in there, um, I couldn't help but think as you were talking about a graphic that's in there, and there's a line, right? There's a line that goes straight down the center of the page. And on one side, you have family, right, or relationships. And then the other side, you have career. And what's really interesting is that the authors explain that if that line is perfect balance, right, and the and and you draw like a path on top of that line and you zigzag from you know, the, the deeper that you go into the family side on this side of the page, uh, that means that you spend more time and energy and resources in family as time goes on as you go down the page, right? Mm-hmm. And the vice versa is also true. You have, you know, the career on the other side where you're really putting the gas on the career and really focusing on trying to achieve and, you know, kill something and drag it home, right? Sure. So he said the most successful people do, right? There's an, always an illusion of balance. Balance is where you're on the line, and you're constantly zigzagging around the line and straight down. You're going downwards, right? He says that the most successful people in the world have found that you have to go way off to the career every once in a while, right? And zigzag around there for a while, then come back to medium, zigzag in the balance, and then go over to relationship and family every once in a while. Zigzag there and come back. And so there's always this game that you're playing. And that's why it's really important from what we were talking about before is about the consistency being consistent with your spouse and and having communication, making sure that you're talking with your spouse, with your friends, your family. So regardless of whatever you do, there's still some amount of interaction there. So that the the sacrifice and the business, depending on what side of the line you're on at any given time, isn't completely falling through or completely suffering. So yeah, you have to, you have to balance that out a little bit, but understand that that's got to be part of the conversations that you're having as an ongoing thing with your spouse and your family and your friends is that you're in this business thing right now and you just have to do this for a little while you have these sprints right and then eventually you'll come back to to equilibrium and then of course you reward everyone because you have accomplished something and then you'll spend time to celebrate all that right so that's kind of the way that i think about balance i was going to ask you the same thing i mean i mean i know you're a busy guy so how what does it look like to you because i'm yes it's funny i like that that kind of visual i now have my head of that the kind of the sphere of, uh, you know, leaning from one side to the other. And I find that to be absolutely true. Um, you know, for instance, I just started a new role at work promotion, a lot more responsibility. So right now I'm like, told my wife, I'm going to have to cut down on the real estate thing. I'm not going to look for actively new deals. I'm going to kind of just keep, keep watch the ones I have, make sure they're doing okay. And you know, I'll keep the podcast piece going. Obviously we're recording right now, but right now 90% of my effort and my, my, energy goes into the w2 because i have to right it's something i worked 20 years to get to it's not something i'm de- definitely not going to throw away and i want to give that my utmost attention and every time I, you know my you know partners will come to me hey look at this deal take a look at this i'm like okay come back to me give me 30 days man give me 30 days so it's just about knowing your limits and i i've, I've always been guilty of like okay i'll take a look and that shiny object syndrome and i'm really trying to focus on you know the one big thing the one thing not you know kind of quoting a book i haven't even read it but you know, where your 80, 90% energy goes to can only go so far in one period of time. So for me, it's, I've recognized over the years, it's like, okay, you got to go heads down full bore for a few weeks at a time. What you call it sprint. I love that because it kind of relates back to my tech background, but you're really focusing, concentrating effort on one, maybe two things. And your family's always going to be there, right? <laughs> your health is always going to be there. So you got to keep that a priority. But as far as your you're working, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, you only have so much energy to give. You only have so much time in the day. I prefer to focus 80, 90% of that on one thing at a time, whether it's a W2, building the business. And 
like you said, it comes in, it comes in waves where you don't have to put, you don't have to go all in all the time and everything you would never survive. So that's kind of my perspective. I mean, are you, do you struggle with that or how is it working for you? Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I felt the same way. I mean, I, I still do every, every once in a while from time to time, but I've been finding that like the places where I'm getting bottlenecked, right. Where I'm, I'm seeing, oh my gosh, like, you know, these emails aren't getting answered or yes. you know, leads are going on. These emails are going, or these uh, leads are going unanalyzed. Right. Yeah. Um, I've been finding ways uh, recently in the past, like about six months to a year <clears throat> to remove myself from the equation. <clears throat> and be able to at least minimize my input. So what I'm doing now is I'm building processes and systems out so that when something does come in, it's very easy for me to either delegate that to either my wife, um, to my virtual assistant, to someone else to be able to un to take care of that for me, take it off the plate. Um, so I'm very process oriented because that's what I do is my full-time job is I'm a project manager. Yeah. So I have that skill set and that background to be able to say, okay, what are the variables that would change and then what's the process that needs to happen? And then what's the output that I want? And how do I want it presented? So for instance, when I was underwriting single families, right? Um, now that's obviously a, a, a long, that's a long yeah. time ago. But when I was doing single families, what I would do is I would underwrite a property with a few basic input to the cells, which would be purchase price, rehab amount, ARV, right? That's the basic fundamentals. And then rent and property taxes. And then everything else was a formula, right? So I had five or six inputs for each individual property. And as you get good in a certain area, you just type those inputs in, right? And you know a few of them because you're talking with the, with the agent about what you can and can't do. So you get those in there and then you have them all side by side. So you have cap rate calculations, you have all of the underwriting that's all done automatically from that. And they're all in rows or in columns, I mean, right next to each other. So that as you underwrite properties, you can see whether or not a property is right away a good deal or not based on five inputs. That's just an example of a process that we put in place that helped us kind of remove me from being the bottleneck in some of those decisions. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think processes are key. If you want to sustain, yeah. you want to scale, you want to grow. There's also building a team, right? You, I mean, you mentioned having a great spouse and having your back is, is phenomenal. And that's, to me, absolutely essential having a good partner or teams behind you or, you know, someone that does underwriting full time, if you really want to grow to, you know, hundreds or thousands of, of units of management or helping hundreds of thousands of people, right. You can't do it on your own. You can't do it with two or three people. So you need to be thinking about who's going to be on my side. Who's going to be on our team who has similar interests or, or aligned interests that I do and, and building it with, uh, you know, not by yourself. So thinking about others and, and building that scale is key. Absolutely. Yeah, it's super important. I think that um, thinking big uh, from the beginning is good um, because it helps you lay some of the groundwork for what you're going to be accomplishing later on. And by building processes, you're, you're making you and your team more efficient. And if you can do that from the beginning and you start to train yourself in terms of thinking of processes, not outcomes, then you're going to do so much better because as you build a process, you hire someone or you, you, you find a way to make that more automatic then that means you can have that machine working for you, so to speak. Oh, yeah. And then you can build your next one. And then the next machine's working for you. And pretty soon, as, as you get good at building processes, you have this massive machine working for you. When people look at you on the outside world and be like, how the heck do you accomplish all that? Like, exactly. so for, just to take a quick example, right, Andrew, I know we have a limited amount of time here, but just to take a quick example, um, you know, I have on my, on LinkedIn and Facebook and YouTube, I have this, this, I have a lot of presence there, right? 
and I'm working a full-time job. I wrote a book. I have a podcast. I've got all this stuff going on. But for me, the way that I'm getting this done, just so you can peek a little bit behind the veil here. The secrets. Yeah, is I sit down with a cup of coffee, head to the library, and I write out on a spreadsheet 50 posts all in one shot, all at one time. Like I just sit down and I'm like, okay, this is this works, this works. And of course, because I'm caffeinated, I'm like all energized. And yeah. you know, I'm in that state where it's really easy to like batch all of these, these posts that I'm trying to do, right? So I come up with the topic, I come up with the, uh, the description for what's going to be on that post. Mm -hmm. And then my, my virtual assistant will take those topics on a spreadsheet and create a thumbnail and put it there. Now, after one afternoon of work, right on my end, and obviously a week or two of him doing thumbnails, I have 50 posts preloaded, ready to go. And that turns into, you know, months of content, right? And that only took me four hours to do in, you know, one day in the library. So as soon as you build that one machine, it's spitting out an endless stream of like LinkedIn content, right? And then I go over to, uh, you know, to Facebook and then I build something that's custom for that. And it takes, and you just sit down and you just do that in a very intelligent manner. And it makes you seem ever present, right? Because you've got all these things that are happening all at one time. And it's all thanks to stacking processes on top of each other, right? Love it. So if you had to go back to one big lesson learned or one thing you wish you knew, you know, say two, three years back, what would you tell your former self? Oh, wow, man. What wouldn't I tell myself? <laughs> uh, I think that for me, it would be start with multifamily. Mm. That would be the big thing. Um, I think that there was a place for single family, but like uh, I was too scared to jump in after like the first couple of homes, right. That I, that I had purchased out of state. Um, and I think I was just kind of like really more in this, in the sense that like just brute force kind of like, Oh, I'll just keep buying single families and they'll do really well. And it, it would have done, it would have gone that way. But if I would have like jumped over to the multifamily mindset of working with other people and like being part of a team rather than a lone wolf, I would have gone way farther, way quicker. So that's kind of the one thing that, that I would look back and. I love that. And you, you hear it repeated and repeated again, but there's a reason for that, right? Because it's, it just, you can go faster, you know, it's a, it's a team sport. So you can kind of, you get that sense of camaraderie. It's not as, you know, if you're thinking about residential realty, it can be really competitive and, and you know, personal attacking type situations, but it's not the case with, with multi, which is really cool. So yeah. Really great tips today. I want to thank you for sharing all these you know, time efficiency tips and kind of getting it. Like for those who are thinking about getting rolling, how they get their spouse on board, all the, all the lessons learned along the way. Last question from my end, how can listeners get in touch with you? Yeah, thank you. So um, mostly they can get in touch with us by going to our website, which is elevateequity.org. Um, or you can look us up on YouTube. Uh, I have a channel on YouTube that's Elevate Your Equity, the same name. Uh, and then you can also look me up at podcasts wherever they're consumed. And then I also have a book called uh, Part-Time Real Estate Investing for Full-Time Professionals. So I know it's a lot to type into the Amazon search bar, but you can just <laughs> type my name in the search bar and it'll pop up. Uh, and so those are a few places where you can get a hold of me. And then on my website, if you guys want, um, there is a place where you can set up a free 30-minute call. Um, just to sit down with me and talk about what your situation is, whether you want to go further down multifamily or single family uh, and get that going yourself. Or if you'd like to uh, start to work with some experienced syndicators and do some sort of multifamily passive investing as well. So we have all kinds of services for all those people out there of different skills and, and desire uh, ranges. That's huge. You got all the bases covered. Thanks so much, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. This is so much fun.
It was a pleasure. Take care. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.